This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Kay from Unleashed. And today, I am so happy to have Dr. Carol Osborne with us. She is a premium veterinarian at a Chagrin Falls. Many, many accolades, traditional and alternative medicine, and wonderful health care for all of our pets. And she knows everything. Hi, Carol. How are you? Oh, great. Thanks so much for having me. So before we get started... Um, you told me something a few years ago that I must cook for my pet so I know what they're eating. <laughs> okay. And I am cooking for my dog, all different types of vegetables and ground meats. And it's been a wonderful experience. The first change I think you see is in their poop. Absolutely. Easy to pick up. And I know that she's getting all of her nutrients. And when you had told me about it, I thought, you know, I got to cook for me. Then I cook enough for three weeks, keep some in the freezer, some in the fridge. And I've been giving it out to all the dogs, all my, uh, you know, pet friends at the dog park and in my neighborhood. And the dogs are crazy for it. It really is. And I also signed her up for the Aging Dog Project. Are you familiar with that? I definitely am. I think that that's excellent. You know, we go to the park twice a day, so she gets lots of exercise, good food. She has friends, and uh, we'll see what'll happen. You know, right now, she's only two. I think it's so wonderful that, that you did that. The uh, That saying, you are what you eat, does not just apply to you and I. In fact, I think it applies much more so to our pets because they age so much more quickly than we do. Consequently, their, their lifespan is so much shorter and eating fresh, wholesome nutrients. I think that's one of the single most important things that you could do for your pet. Yeah. I mean, well, they're not living as long as when I was a kid. And when I was younger, they didn't have dry food. They only had wet food. Really? Yeah. I'm 71. I mean, we, we did Cadillac. It was just can. I don't remember any dry food in any of the dogs that I had growing up. And you don't know what's in it. Like you said, we don't know what's in it. It does have crunch, but I give Tilly chopped up celery for the crunch. It's good for their teeth. Absolutely. And, and it's healthy and it's uh, vegetables are a wonderful source of fiber, which, uh, which keeps the intestinal tract moving and helps to keep everything balanced. Yeah. And she loves it. I could see a difference in some of the other dogs that I, I help get them to do it. The first thing they do is they lose weight. They're not that bloated with whatever not that the dogs at the park are not bloated i mean they exercise but tilly has an hourglass figure that is another very very great point to bring to your viewers because in my experience one of the main reasons that over 50 percent of dogs and cats are clinically obese is directly related to the dry food and no matter how many times you read those ingredients it's not going to help when people pull their dogs off of dry food, the weight just starts to literally fall off. You know, your pets are proof of exactly what we're saying. It's the dry food and the additives and the things that are sprayed on and everything else that we can't really, you know, validate by reading the label. But I've done trials in my own clinic where I've 
taking them off the dry food and had them come in monthly or, or bi-weekly to weigh in. And um, the pounds just literally fall off. Yeah. And, you know, it's so good for them because we don't know. And also treats. You got to look at what the treats have. A lot of those treats have stuff in it that, you know, big words. What do they mean? Yeah. 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 One, one, one of the things I, I always say is if you can't pronounce it, walk away. Right. And believe me, with the, the problems that we have in the human food chain, you can just multiply them by 100 to get an idea of the problems and, and the and the lack of discipline, you know, inspection that they have in these pet food facilities. So you're absolutely right. The best treat for your pet, a nice walk around the block, a fresh vegetable, a nice piece of chicken. Those are the best treats. Yeah, it really is. I'm loving it. You know, the eternal clock of a dog, doesn't matter if we turn our clocks back or forward, 401 is 401, no matter what time it is. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, Cheryl, and I, I'd be glad to uh, send you a couple of samples when we're done talking. I created a product some years ago called PAWS, a pet anti-aging wellness system, just vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, and nutrients rolled up into a tasty treat that were given to dogs based on age and body weight. And we basically were able to extend the healthy lifespan of dogs by about 30%, which in English translate to three to four extra healthy years, not years where they're, you know, laying in bed in the corner, taking all kinds of uh, medications. And as the years have gone by, people that have fed their dogs a homemade, honest diet, just like you are, and added in a simple vitamin supplement that we created is basically how that whole phenomenon got started. And we have dogs, uh, large breed dogs that normally enjoy a much shorter lifespan than a small or medium dog going strong at 18 and 19 years of age. Cocker Spaniels going strong at 28 years of age. And they weren't doing anything special, just a homemade wholesome diet and a tasty vitamin mineral supplement. You know, there was a dog in, I think it's Portugal. He was 33 years old. He ate whatever the owners ate. He roamed around, you know, their patio. Everybody loved him, and he lived to 33 years old. Yeah, I think his name was Bo. I, w- I was reading about that. It's amazing. It's amazing sometimes if you just keep things as simple as possible, stay lean, get good exercise every day, eat a good diet. It's amazing how simple it can be sometimes. Because even with adults, because I think even with humans, because this anti-aging project it's parallel to humans. Yes. And it's the same thing. And it's got to be our food. There's too many young children, babies, people getting cancer. You know, when I grew up, it wasn't cancer. It was the big C. Now it's like everywhere. So it's got to be the food. It's got to be the food. It's got to be the water. It's got to be the air. And you're exactly right. The other thing that I think is a really good thing to think about is the fact that pets, unlike you and I, they go outside, they roll in the grass, they sniff around. That's that's what dogs do. And then what do they do? They come in and they lay in your bed and they roll around on your carpet and, you, and in your lap. And all the environmental toxins, radiation and chemicals all the way down that we cannot see with our eyes, but are everywhere in the environment and settle, you know, in the grass and the soil, right? We can't see those things with our eyes, but our pets 
are pretty much living very, very close to the ground. And like I said, rolling around in the grass and the leaves and, and this and that, and then bringing it inside. So their bodies are absorbing many of those environmental toxins and chemicals that although they're not visible to the eye, uh, they are there. And I feel that that also plays a direct role in the development of cancer and many other of these chronic debilitating diseases. Yeah. I mean, I could see that because that lepto vaccine. Now, normally it would be standing water, stray dogs, farm animals. But like you say, Tilly goes to the dog park. There's a lot of dogs there. They're all vaccinated, but there is bacteria and that's an important vaccine to get. All of those kinds of things are cyclical and leptospirosis has had a recent resurgence including where I am here in uh, Chagrin Falls, Ohio. And instead of the dogs having a history of, you know, the lakes and rivers and streams and going through the woods, I've been diagnosing leptospirosis in small little toy dogs that spend most of their time in the house, but, you know, go outside and trot through the wet grass or through a little stream that might run through the backyard. So it's, uh, again, like you said, a concentration of bacteria other organisms, et cetera, that um, are hitting our pets first. Right. Now, distemper is a vaccine that's given every three years? It is, yes. So if Tilly got it before she left the shelter, do I have to get it this year or I could wait to, because I only have her a year. Well, you know, what we do with a lot of our clients is we take titers. That vaccine, which is normally given as a combination shot, distemper, hepatitis, and parvo, those are the big three. Sometimes they put a couple other things in there. But you can ask your veterinarian to run a titer. It's just a, a blood sample. We send it out to the lab, and it'll come back with three numbers that will tell you whether or not your pet has a valid or protective level of internal immunity for parvo, hepatitis, distemper, as well as rabies, as well as leptospirosis, you know, if, if you're concerned, you know, with, with the dog, just like it could be for COVID with, uh, with, with you and I. That's the whole purpose of vaccines. So I've seen that particular vaccine, Cheryl, last for upwards of four plus years. Yeah, she's gotten the uh, three-year rabies. And before we get into what we're going to talk about with the female dogs, if a dog is on the heartworm uh, triple, not, I know that there's a vaccine now for it, and they've been taking it religiously for over a year. Do they still need to be tested? Can heartworms still sneak in, even with the, uh, with the chews that they take? You know, that's a good question. I think the smart thing to do, because heartworm disease is transmitted by a mosquito bite, although getting heartworm disease is a lot harder than you might think. Less than 5% of the mosquitoes in this country carry heartworm disease. And in order for it to be transmitted, all the atmospheric conditions, oh, you know, all the things that the weatherman talks about have to be virtually perfect. So as a smart pet owner, having your pet tested at least once a year in the spring to make sure that he or she is negative is a very smart way to do it. Okay. And nowadays, they've got all different preventatives out there. The monthly chewables are popular. There's some topicals that are also popular. And I will take a minute to mention something called ProHeart. ProHeart is an injection that uh, started out as a ProHeart 3, good for three months, and then a 6, good for six months, 
And now they even have a ProHeart 12, which is good for 12 months. I would caution all of your pet-loving listeners to avoid that shot like the plague. It's very bad. It does bad things to their bodies, and you absolutely don't want it. It's similar to some of these products that are coming out with the fleas and the heartworms, et cetera, where now it's not 30 days. Now they can get rid of it for 90 days. When things are so unnatural, you know, pro-hot for a year, some of these products that I'm trying not to mention, you don't have to do anything for 90 days. Remember that once it's in your pet, you cannot get it out. These products lead to epileptic seizures, kidney disease, liver failure. The list goes on and on. Those are the kind of pets that end up at my door. So I would just say that when anything seems, you know, too good to be true (laughs) or so unnatural, my suggestion is walk away, stick with the basic stuff and you'll be a lot safer. Yeah. Do you take blood at your uh, hospital? Yes, we sure do. We run some of the tests right there at the hospital and then other tests we send, you know, out to the laboratory. But taking blood like you could use, like, you know, a dog could be a blood donor. Right. At your clinic, because not not a lot of the ones down here that I because I would volunteer Tilly if it's not going to hurt her to give blood. You know, she's young because one dog giving blood could help 15 dogs. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, um, what kind of a dog is Tilly? Well, she's got a face of a boxer, a body of mostly a retriever. I think her front probably has some hit in her. She's big. She's 50 something pounds. That's something you'd have to talk to your veterinarian about or see in your area if somebody has a setup like that, you know, a little blood bank for pets. But yeah, those are wonderful things to do. Something that's interesting is greyhounds, their blood has so much hemoglobin in it that they're actually the best blood donors of all when it comes to, to dog canine blood transfusions, if you will just because their red counts and their hemoglobin are so much higher than other dogs. And that might be why they race them. I saw something online, the difference between a cheater and a greyhound, a greyhound going 35 miles an hour, just the way their body moves is unbelievable. Oh, absolutely. And what you're saying that it's similar to a cheetah? Well, the cheetah is the fastest land animal and it's the way their hips the way their back legs move. Oh, yeah. But long range is definitely the greyhound. And the way they do one paw, you know, the second paw, the back legs, all like in a circular motion, they just, they just fly. Yeah, they're like little motors. (laughs) They are unbelievable. I mean, I had friends that had them. They were like ouch potatoes, you know. I mean, but if you don't have a fenced-in yard, they'll run forever. Yeah. In fact, I don't know if uh, if you're into horses at all. I love horses. I know you're a horse person. But Secretariat, one of the horses that won the Triple Crown uh, yeah. years ago, what they found after the horse had passed is that his heart was twice as big as a normal horse's heart. And they attributed that to the extra blood and oxygen going through his veins and his body as to why he was able to run so much faster than any other horse. He's buried in Belmont, the heart. Yes, and I believe that he is as well. Yeah, that's he was an amazing, that was an amazing race. Yes, <laughs> yes, it was, I agree. So now 
I want you to explain to our listeners about the increase in breast cancer amongst dogs, because I did read something that it has to do with the first or the second year, you know, a month of heat. But, you know, when dogs come out of a shelter, because they don't trust the people who adopt them, even they're fixing them and neutering them, even as puppies, you know, like a couple of months old. Yeah, they're neutering them and spaying them as early as six weeks of age, in my experience, just because the dog overpopulation is, is huge. And unfortunately, we have a lot of irresponsible pet owners that don't keep their pets on a leash. And a lot of what I find, especially at my dog park, and I go to a few of them, is a lot of males not want to neuter their male dogs. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we can hypothesize about that, but you are you are absolutely correct. And, you know, talking about mammary cancer or breast cancer, the incidence of breast cancer in dogs is higher in dogs than in any other domesticated animal, period. And it's three times higher in dogs than in humans. Really? Yeah, that's a pretty interesting statistic. And basically what they say is if your most important point is elimination or prevention of breast cancer in a female dog, if you spay the dog at the first heat, the chances of that dog getting breast cancer are pretty much zero. But you know, Cheryl, there's two sides to every coin. Right. Because although breast cancer is a consideration, there are many other considerations that pet owners have to consider as well. Like hormones. Why did God give us hormones? Well, they do a lot of things, not just for reproduction, but for the heart, the brain, for muscles, for temperament. They do all kinds of good things. In fact, there was a published study that came out a couple years back. It was actually done in Rottweilers. And they found that keeping the Rottweiler intact until the age of seven resulted in the largest increase in health, wellness, and longevity. And while something like that certainly is not possible for many, many pet owners, what I suggest to my patients, unless there's some extenuating circumstance, is if you can keep your pet intact until the age of one, I think that that's very good. If you could do it until the age of two, I think that that's very, very good. Some of the pets that I see now coming into my office that likely were gotten in a rescue and likely were spayed, for example, at six or eight weeks of age or you know when they're very, very young, these dogs, and, and this is just one point, start leaking urine when they're only six months old, you know, their bodies never got that initial surge of the female hormone known as estrogen. So I guess what I'm trying to point out is there are many considerations for a pet owner to be aware of, not just breast cancer, if you will. No, but I had never heard of it in dogs before. It's a big thing. And in male dogs as well. Male dogs can get breast cancer, but it's the female dog that's of primary interest. You know, the mammary glands in in, uh, female dogs are all the way along the tummy. There's two lines of them, you know, and if you have a female dog that has not been spayed and you're running your hand over the belly and you, you feel a lump or a bump that doesn't seem right, take the dog to the vet and basically they take a biopsy, a little piece of tissue, if you will, 
send it into the lab. And if it is mammary cancer, usually they remove either the single mammary gland or the entire chain, you know, depending on the situation. And one of the things that's interesting is in dogs, the mammary glands, the breast tissue is outside of the muscle. So the surgery is much less radical than it is in you or I, where the breast tissue is inside of the muscle. So that's a good thing. But the other thing to keep in mind is that where in humans, chemotherapy and radiation play a big role in uh, treatment of malignant cancer, neither of those are effective in the dog. So in the dog, basically, once you've achieved the diagnosis, the treatment involves surgery or you know removal of the bad mammary tissue, if you will. Right. So that's something else to consider. And I'll tell you, you know, going back to the wholesome diet and whatnot, some of these studies that have come out found that if you have a dog who's overweight and she's uh, about a year old, the incidence of cancer triples if the dog is overweight at one year of age. So I think that's very significant. And dogs with a higher intake of red meat, they found, were at a higher risk for developing mammary cancer. Unbelievable. Well, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Stay with us. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Well, we're back and we're talking to Dr. Carol Osborne and we've just been discussing breast cancer in dogs. Now, do you find that even the smaller dogs get that? Because like you say, I didn't realize until recently that smaller dogs really do live longer than the bigger dogs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Most certainly. And the length of an average lifespan goes down from the small to the medium to the large to the giant the average lifespan goes down. Amazing. Absolutely a fact. But, you know, I mean, Tilly sleeps with me, and I know that when she's lying on the bed, you know, she's young now, and she's very, very active. She runs around every day. I could see. So, you know, I'll definitely take you up on the supplements because, you know, isn't one of the problems with the bigger dogs that maybe are active? I mean, she's lean. Is the hips I think that hip dysplasia or arthritis of the hips is a big deal, more so in your large breed dogs than in your, you know, toy and small breed dogs. You know, the big classic was, you know, the German Shepherd with the malformed hip joints, if you will. But, you know, Labradors, all kinds of dogs, just like people, get arthritis that affects their hips. And Great Danes have heart problems. Great Danes have heart problems, big time, the vast majority of which are genetic or hereditary. 
And um, a lot of those dogs uh, simply just drop dead with no advance warning at young ages, you know, two and three years old. And something else I'll say, for example, about the heart disease problem in Great Danes and many of these other problems, which are genetic or hereditary in nature, is that today we have all kinds of tests that are available to the breeders to find out, is that gene, uh, you know, in the bitch or the sire? And if it is, don't breed the dog, (laughs) you you know, get a dog that's clean. And I think as a veterinarian, that pet owners would be glad to pay a couple bucks more to get a puppy that doesn't have these genetic issues from the mother or the father. Right. That is one of the reasons that I started Tilly on her new food, because I'd rather address it now. And I don't find it's a bother at all. I mean, everybody I talk to, oh, I have no time. But you know what? It's not like I'm watching the pot. And she's my sous chef. I put on the music. She knows what I'm doing because we're on our on our second or our third batch already. She absolutely loves it. I mean, she hears that click of that container when I open it, you know, and she's right there. But, you know, I'd rather deal with whatever it is now. And it's really not that expensive than going to the vet, no offense, and being treated for all kinds of stuff and her being uncomfortable. So I'm going to whip it in the, the bud now is the way I look at it. You're exactly right. Takes a little extra time, a little extra effort, but the results are well worth are well worth it. And I think the payback is that when you do visit your vet for that once a year visit, what you'll find is you have a healthy dog. So, you know, the number of vet visits and chronic diseases and medications, a lot of that will not become an issue for Tilly. That's good. That's what I want. That's the payback right there. Yeah. um, You're keeping your dog healthier for a longer amount of time that you can spend together. Right. But she's got to keep me healthy too. Nursing chronic diseases and all kinds of illnesses. There's some people that you know, I guess the, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that some of their dogs just get sick or the dislocated shoulder or they lose the padding on their feet. I mean, you know, crazy, wacky things, you know, but on the whole, I mean, you know, with the dogs that, that we're with most, I would say 98% are healthy. And if it's anything, I mean, you know, they got kennel cough, one gets it, they all get it. Who knows where they get it from? You could bring your own bowl, but they all like to share their water. Yeah. Well, I I think that's it. And when it comes to pets, there are no placebos. The proof is in the pudding, which is right in front of you on those four legs. So you know what you're doing, good, bad, or indifferent, by simply looking at your dog. Right. It's a wonderful thing. You know, it's a different relationship now that I'm older than the dogs that I had when I was younger. First of all, dogs when I was younger, they didn't have beds. I mean, the dog industry is is unbelievable. Anything you want your dog to have, they have it for your dog. Yes, yes, they do. <laughs> That's a fact. But I think what dogs want most is simply your love and attention. That's it. And that doesn't cost a dime. Nope. That's it. And they make up for everything. I mean, she makes sometimes I look at her and I cry. I'm so happy to have her. She really has changed my life. Of course, my life revolves in between, you know, going to the dog park twice a day. Because as I was explaining to my friend, different dogs, different activities. In the morning, we play with the ball. 
in the evening she wrestles and you know she's got so many friends there we all know each other we've become one family so it's even helped us you know it makes us healthier we absolutely and it's so close to my house so <laughs> i want to thank you for being here let's give our listeners your website absolutely you can reach us online uh chagrin falls petclinic.com chagrin is an indian word referring to the river that runs through ohio it's c-h-a-g-r-i-n chagrin falls petclinic.com and our other website is just drcarol.com which is d-r-c-a-r-o-l.com and in about two weeks that website will be relaunched it'll be a, a brand new website but i've got a blog on there with 1500 plus articles that i've written on everything from a to z when it comes to dogs and cats we also welcome questions from pet lovers coast to coast you can call us toll free at 1-855-DR-CAROL that's 855-372-2765 and the books that you you've written a few books yeah naturally healthy dogs and naturally healthy cats. They're about a 65-page four-color fact finders that um, go over the most common problems dog and cat owners face on a daily basis and offer a holistic herbal, homeopathic, and traditional remedy for uh, all kinds of problems. Wonderful. And you have a small dog, right? I do. That's correct. You know, I wonder if I ask all of the veterinarians that I know what kind of dog do you have? I wonder what they're going to tell me. Small dog, small dog, small dog. Well, small dogs are easy. You can just put them in your pocket and <laughs> take off wherever you need to go. I know. <laughs> I want to thank our listeners. I want to thank Mark. I want to thank Tilly for, you know, being my buddy. And till the next time we meet, live life unleashed. Bye, everybody. See you next time. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.